good morning. I am thrilled to be here. Uh, La Prada definitely holds a special place in my heart. Uh, I've enjoyed a lot of good times being in this area and uh, love the church here. Uh, it's been a great church and I'm very, I'm very excited and very um, happy to see the work that goes on in this area. Um, there's, there's so many churches around the world today, even in our country, you just see churches that are existing. You see churches that are just here. And I do not feel that when I walk in the doors here. And I love the leadership that's provided by the team that's here. I love every single one of the members here that in the song service you could hear the desire to be here, the desire to worship God together. And I appreciate that because it uplifts me and when I stand before a congregation and feel the desire to be here, it makes the presenting of a sermon a whole lot easier, I promise you. When people think that, when you, when you know that people are here to listen and here actually wanting to be here, it makes it so much easier to preach to or preach in a, in a location that maybe you're not uh, normally used to. So you can tell a little bit, I'm a little nervous, obviously. Um, but I'm going to do my best. I hope that what I have this morning is going to be something that will benefit you. Um, I appreciated the words at the communion table this morning. Um, what we're going to talk about has a lot to do with what we, what we did there. It has a lot to do with Jesus and his death. The title of my sermon this morning is By His Stripes. By His Stripes. The text is going to be Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5. And I know a lot of you, as you were coming into this, the building and watching me run around like a chicken with my head cut off, um, saw me with a chair and a sheet and a bag of corn feed, and you're like, what on earth is happening? Let me get set up real quick, but I promise you it will matter in a minute what we're going to do and what we're going to see this morning. Um, if you can't see this, try to find a spot. <laughs> that you can see. Um, I hope that what, we can, what I can present to you this morning is going to be something that will, at the very least, make you think. That's what I like to do, is make you think. This morning, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. You know, I've read this verse multiple times, and it's been, it's been presented at the communion table on numerous occasions. And you hear it so often almost that you just kind of lose a sense of what the, that statement means. I mean, and, and that's more, you know, a confession on my part that I lose the meaning of what that verse actually is talking about. This is a prophecy of what Jesus, the Son of God, is going to go through. This a prophecy by Isaiah is telling us that he was going to be wounded for our transgressions, for my sins. He was going to be bruised because of the, the mistakes that I have made in my life. He was going to be chastised or punished so that we could have peace. And by his stripes, I'm going to be healed. In my study, I found that that, that last phrase really... Um, stood out to me for some reason. 
And that last phrase is what we're going to focus on this morning. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6 says, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. The Son of God, the creator of all things, was placed in a position of humility and disgrace for you and for me. Does that impact your life today? Do you understand what that means for you? You know, I've made horrendous mistakes in my life that I am utterly ashamed to think about. So many mistakes that it would cripple me to think about them and to to think that people, everyone here would know every single sin. It would hurt that bad. The Son of God, the creator of all, took all that punishment on himself. He took the beatings for you so that you wouldn't have to suffer that humiliation. We're going to continue in the New Testament this morning. Matthew 27, verse 26. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. There's that word, scourged. Have you thought about what that word means? So Pilate, and this is in Mark chapter 15, verse 15. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. That's an interesting word, scourged. I, you know, have, you, have you thought about what that word meant? At that time, I hadn't. I really hadn't researched it. It just sounded, didn't sound like something I wanted to deal with. John chapter 19, verse 1, in King James, it says, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. What does that have to do with what I'm talking about this morning? We're going to look at what that word scourging is and what that really means. You know, we're going to bring you back Isaiah chapter 53 in just a moment, but I want you to keep the idea of by his stripes in your mind as we continue. Jesus was alive during the Roman uh, occupation of Jerusalem. If you know your ancient history, Rome was not a nice country. Well, nice empire, not just a country. It was not a very nice empire. They did a lot of conquering. They were great at it. They were really good at it. They conquered all, nearly all the, the known world at the time, and at the time of Jesus... They had perfected a lot of things that made them great in a military sense. The Romans employed scourging as a torture or punishment to extract information or testimony. This is by a Roman historian. The Romans inflicted scourging on recalcitrant slaves or prisoners for withholding information and criminals condemned to die by crucifixion. Scourging was whipping and being beaten. That's what scourging was. When you think of those words, okay, beating, whipping, okay, doesn't sound pleasant, right? Doesn't sound fun, but I don't understand, I mean, I don't fully understand, fully grasp what that means. I've never been whipped in my life. 
particularly not to get information out of myself or out of, out of me. Nobody has tortured me to a point that I want to just need to give up information, whatever information it is. That's never happened to me because I've been in so much pain. But the Romans employed this as a normal way to get information from people. I'm sure Sean knows that torture is probably not the best way to extract information from people because people are willing to say whatever they want to say to stop that kind of pain. When you think of scourging and stripes, I want you to understand that when they beat these people, when they scourged these people, it wasn't a little beating that you could walk away from easily. This wasn't something that you just got a little whipping on the bottom with a belt and you walked away. Scourging was torture. And I want you to notice, criminals condemned to death by crucifixion were scourged. Now, when I think of scourging, I've, I've heard the word cat of nine tails. Have any of you heard that word before, cat of nine tails? It's actually, this is an image of what a cat of nine tails could have looked like. And I want you to throw that out of your mind, because that's not what Jesus dealt with. This was used on British sailors. This is, this is called a cat of nine tails. It's a stick with rope tied to it with knots up and down it. There's nine strands, give you the, the nine. And what would happen is whenever a, a, a sailor would make a mistake or something happened that, you know, maybe hurt the chip in some way and there, there was somebody's, it was somebody's fault, they would, get, they would get beaten, they would get lashes. And they get hit by this. Now, again, I, I don't want to deal with that. I, mean, I don't want to get hit with that across my back. Even if it is just a rope, I don't want to deal with that. But you... It would, it, would, it would come across basically like a cat scratching your back. I hate, cat, I hate cats, by the way, because they're, they're terrible creatures. I don't, I don't know why anybody likes them. But anyway, I'm sorry if you're a cat person. But, but the, what, what happened would, when you got hit with one of these, it would be like, some, like a cat just scratching your back. Just ripping. Yeah, again, doesn't sound pleasant, but you've been scratched by a cat before. I have multiple times. And again, I hate cats for that reason. But... You get scratched across. It's not pleasant, but all it does is make you mad at the cat, right? Now, you may get 50, 40, 50 lashings with that, so it wouldn't be pleasant. It would be able to continue to work after, though. As a sailor, every man is needed on the ship to work, so when you're getting beat by one of those, you're at least going to be able to work. No, this isn't what Jesus got tortured with. This isn't what Jesus got scourged with. Jesus, the Son of God, your Savior, the person who took all the sins of the world, was beaten and tortured and took lashes from an instrument called a flagrum. A flagrum was a Roman tool used to torture and extract information, as I said. It was used to beat and to hurt to extract and to make people say whatever they wanted you to say. 
It didn't matter. It was made from leather straps. It was made with lead pieces at the end. It had pieces of bone. Sometimes it had metal. Sometimes it had nails, had rocks, had things in it that would literally rip your flesh. Now, this morning, I don't want to get hit with a whip made out of rope, much less something like this. This thing has, well, I would say eighth-inch strip of leather, cowhide with lead balls. And I'm looking at pieces of glass in here and sharp pieces of metal. When Jesus was whipped, he didn't just get hit by, didn't just get hit by rope. He got hit by guys called lectors. Lictors, sorry. What they would do was their job, their job was to extract information using this tool. This was their tool. They perfected the use of this on people. We're going to go back to some history. For they said that bystanders were struck with amazement when they saw them lacerated with scourges, even so that the hidden inward parts of the body were exposed to view. Isaiah 53, by his stripes we are healed. He is bruised for our iniquities. There's a lot more within that um, passage of, of history that I left out just because it was a little bit too gruesome, I think, to uh, present in a sermon this morning. The inward parts, your organs, the muscles, the bones, were plain to be viewed from people that are watching this happen. And these guys, these, these, these Roman soldiers that did this for a living were so good at it. They do it all the time. They could rip chunks of flesh off of you so that your organs were showing. Josephus, a, a Jewish historian. Hereupon our ruler supposed as a case proves to be that this was sort of a divine fury in the man. Brought him to the Roman pro... I always have a problem with that word. We're going to skip it. Where he was whipped till his bones were laid bare. Scourging sometimes led to the death of the condemned person. Looking at this thing, could you imagine walking away from it? If somebody took this to your back, would you, would you think that you could walk away from it? You know, sometimes it was more of an accident if someone died from it because these guys were so good at doing their job. Scourging is no joke. When we read the verses that we read, do we understand the history that goes into what those things mean? Do we understand what the word scourging means? When Jesus was whipped for you. Now, 
what, is, what does that process look like? And I'm, I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and tell you. You guys are going to witness scourging. I tried to ask my uh, nephew, Bryson, if he'd wanted to help me with that. He said no. Uh, so we're going to stick with just a bag of, of uh, deer feed. But what happened was when a, when a condemned person was, was uh, sentenced to being scourged, what would happen is they would tie this person to a post. It could be a full-size post with their arms up in the air like this, just ready to get taken across the back with this whip. Or they'd be chained to a post down here where they had to stand on their own weight, use their own legs to stand up. Many times, if there was a big enough pole, they would wrap their arms around the pole to give themselves as much surface area as they could. What would happen is there'd be two men that would be in charge of making this happen. You'd have, you'd have one person over here on the left side, usually left-handed, or sorry, on the left side, right-handed, I was able to really get a good swing. And then there'd be another person on this side, left-handed, get a really good swing. These people were good at what they did, too. You know, the, the Jews had a, had a uh, tradition that if someone, someone was going to be whipped, for a punishment, they wouldn't be using this, but they had a tradition that if somebody was going to be whipped for a punishment, it would be 40 lashes. Save one, because maybe the person doing the, the, the whipping miscounted. So they're like, well, we're going to help out. We're going to say 39 lashes only, because maybe the person counting counted wrong. That was the Jewish tradition to do that, but guess what? These were Romans that did this scourging. They had no such qualms about stopping at 39 lashes. They didn't care if somebody miscounted. They didn't care about any of that stuff. They just wanted the information or they wanted to torture. They would lay that person out, ready to go, ready to be whipped. And then they would count out every single lash so that the person knew exactly what was coming. This wasn't something that happened. You, you would be chained there, aware of what's about to happen to you. And they would count it out. Romans. supposed to happen. That was eight. Imagine 
these people not caring how many times they hit you. Not caring what happened to you. They just wanted information. 40, 50, 60, who knows? Jesus, the Son of God, took that for you. Hurts to see, doesn't it? Hurts to see what could have happened or what did happen. By his stripes. Now, this bag is plastic. It's woven plastic made to be strong. <laughs> I couldn't get a pig carcass up here. They say that that's the closest thing to human uh, flesh, but I think that does the trick until it shows you what this thing can do. Do you understand how deep God's love is for you? Jesus did that. Jesus took that because God loves you. Because God loves you and all your mistakes, all your flaws. God loves you enough that he was willing to let his son do that. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant justifies many. For he shall bear their iniquity. Jesus bore that. He took it. He uttered not a word. Like a sheep led to the slaughter, he uttered not a word. As he is being whipped and beaten and scourged because of every lie I have told. Because of any, every improper thought that I have had. Every word that I have said, because God loves me, because God loves you. But God committed his love towards us in that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Have you thought about the self-control that Jesus, even in human flesh, in human form, had to say, my will, not my will, but thine. Can you imagine the self-control to be hit over and over again like that and to yet not say, I'm done. I'm done. Instead, he said, I will take it. He says, do you not think that I could not appeal to my father? And he would at once send me more than 10, 12 legions of angels. Jesus could have done anything. He had the power to call down 12 legions of angels to stop this from happening. He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with hailstone and fire and brimstone. He had the power to do it. But he chose not to. He said, my, not my will, but thine. 
because he understood what God's real purpose was for him having to deal with that. For this reason, the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge have I received, received from my Father. Jesus had the ability, but he chose not. Imagine the self-control that he showed. Imagine God's love for you. Here's where it gets real. It's great to think of this in past tense because it gives you an image of what actually happened back then or could have happened back then. I want you to understand this is not an exact representation. I don't think they were wearing a suit when they actually did it. But I want you to understand it should give you a picture. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there is no longer remaining a sacrifice for sin. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and, having, and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come and have fallen away to restore themselves again to repentance since they, and since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. Now this is where it gets real. Every time we continue to sin deliberately. You know, I'm a, I'm a real person. I don't believe we're talking about mistakes. People make mistakes. I make mistakes on a daily basis. If I am deliberately sinning, if I have lived a life of sin and continue to be in a life of sin, after I've become Christian, after I've become a Christian, and know the knowledge of God, and know what he has taught me, and he has changed my life, yet I choose to continue in sin deliberately. That's what I just did. Maybe I lied. Maybe I said something I shouldn't have. When you sin, does it have that kind of impact on you to think that that's what your sin is doing? When you continue to live a life of sin, and you choose not to change your life, if you thought about it, that's what you're putting Jesus through again. Puts a little different light on, ah, I shouldn't do that, but yeah, I want to. We're called to be Christians because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example. 
He himself bore our sins that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. It's not just a painful story. I know it sounded terrible and it, I know that hurt. I don't like doing that. <laughs> I really don't. But I love the last three words of this statement. By his stripes, we are healed. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself where I am. You may be also. You know, there's beauty in this very painful act that we see here. There's beauty in, in all this suffering that we see here. The beauty is every one of those lashes was, was sin. The beauty is that God no longer sees those. What he sees is the blood of Jesus that he freely gave, covering you, covering your sins. That's what God sees. And by his suffering, by Jesus' suffering, you are healed. You have been given a chance at redemption. You have been given a chance to take on the burden that Jesus has, or Jesus has asked you to take, which is a whole lot easier than having to deal with that. Now we're going to have a chance to see God because Jesus did what he did. Because Jesus went through what he went through for us, we have a chance to live with God in heaven. I hope that when you think about the pain and suffering that Jesus went through on that cross, it doesn't just go through your mind quickly and one ear out the other type of deal. Whenever the men stand before the communion table over here and they have words to, to tell you and to talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and what he did so that you would have a chance to be in heaven. That you don't just do it because it's a have to. But instead that you picture Jesus taking every single beating for you and personalize it and say, he did it because of what I did. He took my sin on himself and he saved me from having to deal with torture and punishment and wrath. And that you also look forward to the day that you can say thank you in person. Those are the thoughts that I've had this morning and I hope at the very least it has made you think. It's not fun to think about. We as humans just generally try to not think about traumatic things in our life, but I want you to think about the death of Jesus. Not only the death, but what led up to his death. The things he had to suffer in his body before he was even put on a cross. And then that you would see the death, burial, and resurrection as hope for you. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're not a person that has taken advantage of the 
of the love of Jesus and the love of God. You have an opportunity. The baptistry is full of water. The plan of salvation is easily laid out. It's, it's seen in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You put away, you, 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 you put to death your old person. You go down in the water and are buried. Then you come up again a new person, just like Jesus died, was buried, and was resurrected. And once you've done that, you become part of his body. If you'd like to become a member of the body of Christ, we can make that happen this morning. Maybe you are a Christian that was talked about in Hebrews. Maybe you're a person who is living in sin. And you deliberately continue to sin. And you realize that you are putting Christ on that cross again. You're driving that nail into his hand again. You're whipping him across the back again every single time. And you want to change. We can help that. We can make that happen for you as well and help you. The elders and team like I've spoken about before. Excellent team of people that are here to help and willing and wanting to help you get to heaven. They can make that happen. We can help you in your walk. If you find you're of one or either class, please come as we stand and sing the song of invitation.